good. How are you today? Let's see if the PowerPoint's up there. There we go. So uh, Patrick asked me if he'd, uh, he said he wanted to do a summer series called Walking with Jesus. And uh, there's been, he asked me if I'd uh, share during his sabbatical. I had a sabbatical a year ago. It was wonderful. I had eight weeks. I was at Bryson Zion. I walked the Narrows. I hiked up Angel's Landing, if you've ever been there. Fantastic time of rest and refreshment in the Lord. So I just want to thank you for giving Patrick the opportunity to be refreshed in the Lord and to rest and recover. It's a blessing to him, but it's a blessing to you as well. And it's not necessarily a vacation. It's just a time to step away, to hear from God freshly, and uh, uh, to prepare for uh, the years ahead, whatever God has for him. So I know it's going to be a blessing to Patrick and to you. So uh, thanks for doing that. It's a joy for me to be here with you today. Uh, as the slide said, I'm Pastor Jeff Gruen. I'm from a hometown church in the Twin Cities, and uh, I'm, I'm joined here by Eric Williams. He came with me, so he's one of my dear friends and a, a key man of mine down in the Twin Cities. Thank you for taking two days away from your lovely bride and four little kids to uh, be a, here and to serve. So thanks so much, Eric. Yeah, thanks. It's a big deal. It's not easy to do that. I also want to thank Tom and Jean, Tom back there, for providing such a wonderful bed and breakfast uh, experience for us. We came last yesterday around 5.30, had a fantastic dinner, and I slept great, and this morning was wonderful. I don't know if you guys have been on their acreage before, but it is great, just great. So thank you, Tom. Thank you, Jean. Um, well, I'm not sure if I can fully express to you how much I love you and how indebted I am. To all of you. There are a few verses in Philemon that express my heart, and this is in a version you might not have seen before. It's the RAJ, revised according to Jeff. All right, let's take a look at it. Next slide. It says, I always thank my God when I pray for you, my cottonwood brothers and sisters, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brothers and sisters, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Some of you might remember the terrible Red River flood of 1997. It was terrible, but in, in another way, it was wonderful because it brought us together. Uh, it was back then when we sent a few teams from the Twin Cities up here to help you recover from that terrible flood in your church and serve, just serve. And uh, it was awful, but it gave us a chance to overlap as, uh, you know, brother and sister churches. So we've been on missions trips together. We've sh shared HSLTs together, conferences, regional retreats. We've done all sorts of things for the last 26 years. And actually, I want to ask you guys a question. How many of you have ever flown out of Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport, MSP? Raise your hand. How many of you have ever had to park your car nearby and spend tons of money for parking? Well, I want to invite you to park your car at our church. So our church is six minutes away from the airport, actually Terminal 1. It's four minutes away from Terminal 2, and you can park in our lot free and if you guys need a ride, I'd love to give you a ride. 
So seriously, if you want to save a little bit of money, park at Hometown Church in Bloomington. We would love to have you do that. People do that all the time, by the way. You, you wouldn't be alone, but I just want to let you think about that. And I'm going to give you my phone number if you want to call me for a ride because sometimes you need contact. I'll tell it to you right now, and at the end of the service, I'll tell you again. But write this down. It might save you $100 or more. So I'm Pastor Jeff, hometown church. We're right next to the Mall of America, walking distance away. And I'm at 612-250-3539. 612-250-3539. Would love to have you guys park there. And if you're in the cities and you're looking for a church, like I said, we're right next to the Mall of America. There's that water park. What's that water park called, Eric? Great Wolf? Great Wolf Water Park. Uh, if you come down and you're looking for some place to worship on Sunday, come and worship with us. We'd love to have you. Um, so, there are Dunhams who are here, a bunch of Dunhams. There are Bartlett's and Berglins and Shelkoffs and Schultzes and Dormans and Letvins and Steels, Heitmans, Reinhardt's, Brooke and Leah in the back. Hi, ladies. Those are just a few. Did you know that Paul mentions 35 individuals by name in Romans chapter 16? It's a book of the Bible that's often overlooked because who cares about all these names? But it reflects a relationship that Paul had with all these individuals. And I just want you to know that um, my life is so much richer. Sue's life is so much richer because of you. And your heritage. One of my best friends is John Shelkoff. He came from here. John and Terry were here. And uh, my life is so enriched because of him. In the last year and a half, uh, um, Patrick and I have Zoomed each other uh, every month for an hour and a half to two hours. And we hold each other accountable for some things. We also do that with Pastor Mike Langloy. And we dream together. So when we Zoom... We ask this question, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want us to do? And what's in the way? What's in the way? And we do that every month, and it's a rich, encouraging time. So, um, I am so grateful and indebted to you, and I want you to know that it's a joy to be here today. Thank you. So I want to start, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to get a little different mic stand because this one moves back and forth. I'll grab this one here. I want to start out with the story of Sam and Sally. So that's not their real name, but they're real people. Um, Sam and Sally. So Sam and Sally didn't attend church. Um, but Sally's brother and sister started coming to hometown church. And uh, Sue and I led this brother and sister to the Lord uh, in our small group. So we started praying for Sam and Sally. And a short time later, Sam and Sally started attending hometown. And then they both, uh, let's see, I'm getting ahead of myself here. And uh, so then I, I started going to Bally's Swim and Fitness with Sam. And we'd play racquetball every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., did that for three years. 
Sam wasn't saved. I did that as a way of reaching out to him, deepening our friendship, and sharing the gospel with him. And he finally did make a decision for Christ, and Sally did too. And then they got more plugged into our church, and it was beautiful. They had two kids. We had three. Three. They overlapped. We brought their kids on vacations with us. We went on vacations with them. We did ministry together. We did missions trips together. They became the guardian of our kids. We were the guardians for their kids. And those of you who are parents, you know what that means. If you pass away, who do you want to raise your kids? Who do you believe you best identify with, would do things that are important to you with the kids? So Sam and Sally were very important to us, and we loved each other very much. But about four years ago, they were facing some significant marital conflict. And they asked me to counsel with them. And it was over charismatic issues. One of them was becoming more charismatic, and the other was not. And I met with them. And I encouraged them. I said, guys, you've got to prioritize your marriage. Major in the majors, minor in the minors, and they did. And their marriage is strong today. They are doing great. But their decision to embrace charismatic issues, expressions of the Holy Spirit like speaking in tongues and healing, led them to leave hometown church. You guys want to know what the hardest thing is for a pastor? When somebody they love somebody who is a part of their flock, who becomes a part of their family, leaves. Even if it's not personal, it can be very painful. And the pain can lead to a hard heart. The pain can leave, lead to bitterness and maybe even a grudge. And it's not very pretty. When I think of Sam and Sally, there's a pit in my stomach. When they post things on Facebook or their kids do, I want to celebrate with them. But it's hard. Because I'm hurt. And I'm sad. Is there someone in your life who has hurt you? Whether intentional or unintentional. Someone who maybe took something of yours or they left you behind. Someone who said something mean or unkind. Maybe even someone right here at Cottonwood Church. Is there someone, anyone, that you have a grudge against? And maybe you are the only one who knows that. Who's the first person that comes to mind? So now I'm going to ask you to do something very difficult, and I can ask for hard things because I'm a guest speaker, and I'm leaving, and you can get angry with me. That's just fine, and I can take it. Anyhow, you guys each have an index card kind of on the pew next to you. Maybe you're sitting on it, and I want you to grab that index card. If you're able to write, 
I want you to grab that card. So anyone six and up or, uh, I don't know, 80 and down, because I know sometimes it gets harder to write. So if you're able to write, grab that pen or a pencil, and I want each of you to write down that person's name who hurt you. The person who you have a grudge against. And then after you do that, I want you to fold that index card in half. And I promise you this will not go public. Because at the end of the service, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward with the offering baskets. And we're going to tear up these cards. But I want everybody to have an index card in their hand and to write something down. Write the name of someone or some two. And if there's no one you have a grudge against, then I want you to write no one. So everybody, spouses look at each other. Everybody participate, please. Grab that card. I'm going to wait for you. Grab the card next to you. Lift it up. Grab a pen or a pencil. And write one person's name or another person's name, maybe two people. Or write no one. No one is fine. But I want you to join in. It's not hard. And again, we'll rip it up. Nobody will see it. This is between you and God. But my goal here, I've been praying about this service for a month. My goal is to help you, to serve you. And, and, and I know uh, Tom shared last week about bitterness. There's, there's something about a grudge or a hard heart that it's like an infection. And if it's not treated, uh, it festers. So is there somebody you have a grudge against? Somebody who hurt you? And if you do write no one, you are either very godly, which is possible, or you're lying to yourself, which is probable, or you're very, very, very forgetful, which might be true for a lot of you guys, which is okay. It's just okay. So let's pray. Uh, God, we thank you for the sweet relationships we have in our lives. We need them. We aren't designed to do this alone. But with every sweet, deep relationship, there's the opportunity for hurt and loss and grudges. But nursing grudges, nursing bitterness, it's not the way you want us to live. It's not. You want us to be free, God. You want us to forgive. You want us to reconcile. But we're flawed, and that's hard to do. So God, be with us today, this morning. Help me to be just a vehicle. I pray, God, that you would speak through me and through your word. And if there's one person here that you want to talk to, or two people, or three, I don't know, 
one or a few who need to let go of a grudge, forgive, reconcile. God, you get glory when that happens. But it's hard. There's something about nursing a grudge that makes us feel good, like we're in control. But it doesn't do anybody good, and really it's like a poison pill. It hurts us. So help us, Lord, as we work through this, instruct us and teach us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. About a month ago, Pastor Deacon Ailes at Hometown Church shared a devotional in Philemon. And his devotional challenged me, and today's message includes some of my learnings since Deacon shared that with me. And God really uh, challenged me to work on some things. So the letter of Philemon is tiny. It's only 25 verses. It's just one chapter. But it teaches us that forgiveness and reconciliation are at the heart of the gospel. And we're called to extend forgiveness to others even if it is difficult. And it is difficult. Let's not sugarcoat it. It's hard to forgive. It's hard to forgive especially if they don't ask for forgiveness. And especially if that hurt endures. Or the hurt caused some kind of domino effect that's still affecting you or others. It's very hard to forgive. Most of us don't know much about Philemon or even where it is in the New Testament. And there's a good reason why. It's short and it's not very quotable. Uh, what I quoted earlier, you know, on the PowerPoint slide, is about the only thing you hear from Philemon. And most of us don't even know that. We hear that and we think, oh, is that in Ephesians, Colossians? Where is that? It's Philemon. Honestly, this book is more like a personal letter between Paul, the writer, and Philemon, the recipient. It's like a three or four paragraph email between friends. And, you know, we send emails all the time, connecting with each other, just sharing things, updating each other. And this book is a lot like an email between friends. There are three main characters in the book of Philemon. Paul's the writer, and he's in prison in Rome. And he's about 60 years old. And while he's in prison, he meets a runaway slave. Imagine, this slave in Rome, in prison. Paul meets him. And this is what Paul's about. He just shares the gospel. He shares the good news wherever he is. He writes it. He shares it. It is the power to transform people. So he's in prison, runs into this guy named Onesimus, shares Christ with him, and he gets saved. He believes in Christ. And what's crazy about this is that earlier in Paul's travels, so before he got to Rome, he traveled through central Turkey, and he led another guy to the Lord named Philemon. And uh, Philemon was Onesimus' master. So Onesimus escaped Philemon, probably stole some things, and ended up in prison in Rome, where Paul was. And Paul led him to the Lord. So 
both the slave and the slave owner are Paul's spiritual sons. One is a prisoner with him in Rome, and the other is a rich man who actually hosts the church of Colossae in his home over 1,700 miles away in Middle Turkey. Is this a crazy coincidence? Or does God do crazy coincidence things? Does he? Yes. Praise the Lord. He does crazy things. That's the way he works. Well, anyhow, Onesimus is being released soon. And Paul is sending Onesimus back to his master, Philemon. But he's sending Onesimus, the former slave, back with this little 25-page letter. And it's a personal appeal to Philemon. And it's an appeal for forgiveness and reconciliation. It's an appeal to Philemon to let go of a grudge that Philemon likely has against Onesimus. It was a reasonable grudge. It was justified. The natural consequence for somebody like Onesimus was to be flogged, maybe thrown in prison, maybe even killed for what he did. That's what he deserved in their culture. So Paul was sending Onesimus back to Philemon with this 25-verse appeal. And I have asked Eric if he would be willing to come up here and do a dramatic reading of all 25 verses. So, thank you, Eric. All right, good morning, Cottonwood. This is uh, the entire book of Philemon here. This letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. I am writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and our sister Aphia, and to our fellow soldier Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God when I pray for you. Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you. Consider this as a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I am in these chains for preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. 
I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were being forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. One more thing. Please prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Thank you, Thank you Eric. Appreciate that. <clears throat> Dramatic reading. Okay, I want to go to the, back to the beginning of that letter and read verses 1 through 3. Actually, I think it's 1 and 3. This letter is from Paul. I am writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to the church that meets in your house. So there's something puzzling here. Why did Paul want this intensely personal letter to be read publicly? Isn't Paul's appeal a private matter? Paul's making a personal appeal to a friend on behalf of another friend. So why is Paul asking that this personal letter about a private issue be read publicly? And why is this little half-page letter even in the Bible? Why is it here? It's here for us. It's here for you. It's here for me. You and me. We have wronged God. We are Onesimus. Each one of us is a runaway slave. Our selfishness and our hurt, our sin hurt God. Whether intentional or unintentional, we rejected him and we turned our, our own way. Each of us has done this. As a result of our mean thoughts and actions, our destiny was eternal separation from God. That's what we deserved. But Jesus reconciled us to God through his sacrifice on the cross. We're forgiven and we're accepted by God as adopted sons and daughters. And this is really good news. Right? And this is why we're here, to remind each other of this good news, that we're forgiven and we're accepted. But now that we're forgiven, we're commanded to forgive others who hurt us. If not, as I mentioned earlier, unforgiveness can lead to bitterness and a hard heart. 
and a part of our soul is rotting, struggling. I'm not sure exactly how Tom put it last week, but bitterness is just, it's awful. And there's no good reason to arbor it. But we do. I think a little bit of bitterness can affect our whole body. And I think Tom mentioned this last week, and people around us. That's not very pretty. In this world of cancel culture and hate speech, true reconciliation, especially between believers, it's like a neon sign pointing to Jesus. And that's what we want to do here at Cottonwood Church and at Hometown Church. We want our lives to point to Jesus, right? Nod with me, right? Scott, nod with me. Yes. But that means doing hard things. Now I want to turn the tables a little bit. And I want you to imagine that you are Philemon. You're a respected believer. In fact, you're a leader in the church. And another believer has hurt you. Or said something unkind about you. Or ignored you. Or taken something from you. Maybe the person you wrote on your note card. And I'm going to call this person Onesimus. So this person on your note card is your Onesimus. Verses 8 and 10. I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it's the right thing for you to do. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child Onesimus. I appeal to you to show kindness to this person who you have a grudge against. Letting go of a grudge or forgiving a very real hurt caused by another is the right thing for you to do. It really is. But it's not easy. So at this point, I've asked Eric to come up and read a little bit of Aaron Topp's story. So I asked Aaron to send me his story a week ago, and he was kind enough to do that. And he doesn't mind using his real name. So this is Aaron. Come on up, Eric. All right. Shortly after I was saved, I would constantly listen to the Bible and sermons all day while I drove a semi-truck. I was soaking up God's word and growing spiritually. But the day came when my grace period seemed to wear off, and I would experience guilt for all the women and people I had hurt in my past. At that time, the pastors at Hometown were such a great example of being transparent with their struggles. And I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to meet with a pastor and confess all of my past failures. God put Pastor Jeff Gruen on my heart to ask to go to coffee. We set the date to meet at a coffee shop in Bloomington. On the way, I had a random thought come to my mind. If you tell him all these things, you won't have a friend. 
Thank God I didn't listen to that voice. And when Pastor Jeff and I met, I dumped on him for hours all the shame and guilt I was carrying from my past sins. As I openly confessed all these things, I could literally feel grace from Pastor Jeff. I don't know how to really explain it, but I knew he wasn't judging me. In fact, I feel like we grew an intense bond of friendship that day. Out of all the confessing, something came out I had never told anyone, how a childhood hero of mine had done something in front of me that he shouldn't have, that scarred me and took away my innocence. There was some anger and bitterness in my heart. A little bit later in the conversation, Pastor Jeff asked me a key question that was straight from God. What would it mean to you if you received a letter of forgiveness from one of the ladies you used, to, you used or hurt from your past? What would that mean to you? At that moment, I felt God's presence. The hairs on my neck stood up, and I started to cry and answered him. That would mean everything to be forgiven. Then Pastor Jeff said, well, what if you write this man a letter of forgiveness and forgive him? And I thought, that's a terrible idea. But I knew he was right, and I didn't have a clue how to get his address to even send the letter. Within about a month, I finally sat down, and I wrote a letter of forgiveness to this man who had hurt me when I was a kid. I know the Holy Spirit led me as I wrote that letter. I told him I remembered what he did, but asked him to forget about it like I am going to do. And then I forgave him. I simply wrote, Jesus forgave me for all I have done. How could I not forgive you? Almost immediately after writing the letter, I thought of another man who was working for my dad at the time that knew his family and could get the address for me. He did get it, and I sent the letter. About two months went by, and I received a letter in the mail from this man. And all it said was, Aaron, I'm sorry. Wow. I know for a fact that day, confessing all my sins, God set me free. And I know after forgiving the man who messed me up when I was a kid, God healed me. The guilt and bitterness were gone, and I could freshly feel God's amazing grace. So a little bit more about Topper for the moment. Um, so Aaron, Aaron was, uh, became one of my key guys at church, and uh, I loved him, and he loved me, and we went on mission trips, did a lot of things together. And uh, a little different story, his wife came from an Assemblies of God church, so uh, after some time, she said, hey, I'd really like to go back, church my parents go to, and so on. So they left, and he's a pastor there now. So, so this guy, who kind of went through everything, he is pastoring at one of the River Valley churches at uh, Invergrove Heights. I'm so proud of him, and I'm so happy for him, and I love him very much, and we get together for a wrestling match or the Twins game or something like that once a year. It's just a joy. Joy to see Aaron. Now I want you to imagine that God is speaking through Paul to you. And again, you are Philemon. And the person you have a grudge against is Onesimus. And this is revised according to Jeff again, verses 18 and 19. Go ahead and put it up there. Thanks, Aaron. If he or she, if the person who hurt you has wronged you in any way or owes you anything 
charge it to me. I, Paul, or God, speaking to you, I write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your own, your very soul. I want that to sink in a little bit. God is speaking to each of us about forgiving our Onesimus. And I don't know if there's one person here who's been nursing a grudge for a year, 10 years, three decades. What's the right thing to do? God wants you to forgive this person who hurt you. Now, I need to qualify the intended reconciliation because I'm not suggesting that you put yourself in harm's way. If this person who hurt you is an abuser or if this person who hurt you continues a pattern of hurting you, well, then you should try to forgive, but you got to maintain your distance. Until or unless this person changes their ways and earns your trust. Because forgiveness is one way. That's something you can choose to do. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing, Jesus said. Forgiveness is one way and that's you in your heart. But reconciliation is two-way. Reconciliation takes two willing people to reconcile. So you may not be able to reconcile with this individual. Maybe this individual has passed away. But you can forgive them. You can. It's an act of God in your life. But you can do that. Maybe you need a little bit of help. Maybe this is the time to ask Pastor Tom or somebody else to come alongside you. And you can confess this to them. Confess something you've never told anybody else ever. And then just allow God to come in and pass on the forgiveness that you've been given. So what what are my takeaways from this? It's something that God's been working on me the last month. And how did it hit me when... When Deacon shared this, ever since I heard Deacon's devotional, I have begun to pray for Sam and Sally, very faithfully in consistency, pray for their success, their spiritual growth. I've prayed for them to connect to a God-honoring church and grow. And they tried one church for a while, I know, and then they've moved to another church, and they're part of that church right now, and I think it's going really well, and I'm happy for them. I've also intentionally and enthusiastically affirmed their Facebook posts. I know it sounds silly. And the posts of their kids. But I'm trying to celebrate with them where they're at to participate in their lives in whatever way I can. And finally, Sue and I, we got some e-bikes just a couple months ago. How many of you guys have e-bikes? Aren't they great? Love them! I highly recommend an e-bike. So... 
uh, one of the nice things about it is uh, Sue and I each have one, so I can put mine on a two, she can put hers on a three, and we bike at the same speed, even though I'm biking harder than she is. So we can kind of bike together and have a little bit of a different workout. It used to be that I'd, I felt like I always had to slow down for her, but I don't have to do that anymore. The second nice thing, I can go up hills. All I have to do is kind of press a button and I go, woo doo 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 Anyway, our plan this month is to bike over to Sam and Sally's. They live close to a DQ. We're going to just visit with them and take them to a DQ and just spend uh, a little bit of sweet time and regrow whatever opportunities we have for uh, a friendship. So I'm, and I feel like slowly my hurt and bitterness is being replaced with hope and love as I pursue them. What about you? Is there someone you need to forgive? Is there a grudge that you're arboring? Who did you write down on your note card? Or who should you have written down on your note card? Who is your Onesimus? This is true for high school students too. Really easy to be upset with somebody because of something they said or did. But wherever you're at in life, we can be hurt. And the closer we are to people, the easier it is to get hurt by them. Maybe you need to forgive your spouse. Nobody closer. Maybe there's something they said or did and you need to work on it. Remember that true forgiveness and reconciliation, especially between believers, is like a neon sign pointing to Jesus. And that's what we want to do. Jesus, during uh, the Last Supper, so the day before he died on the cross, he was talking to his disciples. And he shared some things with them that probably didn't click at the moment. But I remember him saying this in John 13. He said, guys, I'm going to give you a new commandment. It's really not new. You've heard it before. But it's a new commandment. As I have loved you and as I'm about to love you, I am going to die for you. As I have, you're, you should love each other. Guys, and you remember, they competed with each other. They fought with each other. Who's the greatest? They misunderstood each other. One of them was a traitor, ended up hanging himself. But they struggled to get along. Matthew was a tax collector. And he said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And I would say one of the places it's easiest to get hurt is in a church with believers, brothers and sisters. And you're trying to do something, they're trying to do something, and whether intentional or unintentional, sometimes we hurt each other. But can you express your love for this person in such a way that you forgive them? And can God get glory? Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Uh, band members, come on up here. We're going to play just a little bit of music. I want to take a few minutes for you to think about this. 
And at the same time, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. And every single card, I would like you to tear up and put in those baskets. So thank you so much for humoring me. You know, I'm kind of a uh, show-and-tell guy. I like having whiteboards and writing things. I like... Uh, I have a rock in my pocket. I used to be a geologist. I just love showing things and doing things. So go ahead and just go through. Rip up those cards. I don't want anybody to see them because it's between you and the Lord. But I want you to think about it. God, what can I do? Maybe in the month of June. How can I forgive this person? How can I reconcile with this person? Blame me if you want. You can say, Pastor Jeff told me I had to do this. Sometimes we just need a little trigger in our lives. But go ahead and think about it. I have a little bit of music in the background. And then in just a moment, I'm going to pray. Thank you that I can rub shoulders with these dear men and women who I love so much, who I've grown so much with. Thank you, Lord, for uh, building Cottonwood Church here. Thank you for the men and women who have given their lives to uh, grow this church, to love this church, their time, talents, and treasures. I thank you for Eric, Lord, his willingness to give two days of his life to serve here. Busy man. Just thank you. Lord, we worship you. We praise you, Lord, for what you're doing in our hearts. God, grow us. We don't want to be the same. We want to grow. And God, I pray if anybody here has a grudge, has any bitterness, is arboring something, that they would do their part, that they would reach out and forgive. And God, I pray that there would be sweet, sweet, honey sweet reconciliation going on with somebody or somebody's here at Cottonwood Church. Lord, we worship you and love you with all of our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name.